0: Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Man, how about it? Six words that have become life-defining for so many. He's not here. He is risen. Come on, church. How many know that your life is different because of those six words? Man, I'll tell you what. What a great day he's given us, right? I mean, the sun is not really out, but it's warm, it's not windy, it's dry. That is a good thing, amen? Because Troy was going to get really wet if it was raining and I was staying inside while he was out here preaching. Hey, listen, it is good to see everybody. Thanks for coming out. I understand we're having a little sound problem on our live stream. Um, I just want to let you know that later on we will be rebroadcasting it, um, so it should be better at that point. But also, when you leave today, if you brought an offering, there'll be a, uh, I think there's a garbage can over there with, a, with a, a bag in it. If you could do us a favor and drop that off in there, we'd appreciate that. But man, it is good to see everybody. Let's jump into the Word of God for a few moments, and then I got some friends coming that are going to help us celebrate the resurrection, and I'll get to that in just a moment. Jesus was on the cross. You know the scene. He's on the cross. He's being crucified. And then all of a sudden, there's a cry that goes forth from that cross. There's a cry that goes forth from the lips of Jesus. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I don't know about you, but if somebody's beaten me and has been persecuting me, and has put me on a cross and put nails through my hands and nails through my feet, intending to kill me, probably praying for forgiveness would not be the first thing on my mind. Now, I know probably for you it would be because you guys are probably much more spiritual than I am. Me, I would have been like more like, Father, kill them. Father, take them out. Father, avenge me. But he cries out and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I thought about that this week. Who was them? Uh, Let's talk about them for a moment. Them could have been a variety of people. We often think just the Roman soldiers. But them would be the religious leaders who actually conspired and condemned him to death. Them would be the Roman soldiers who were carrying out those orders. Well, what about those disciples who deserted him? That ran and hid and What about them? Or how about Peter, who disowned them? I don't know. Three times. I don't know. I don't know. And then that rooster crowed. But see, we can think about the them being the Roman soldiers and the religious leaders and the deserting disciples and the fallen Peter. But you know what? The them included you and me. The them is you and I. We are as much as them as they were. Now, I could use some bad English here. We are as much as them as them were. How many know we are of them? How many know you are part of them today for the reason that Jesus was on the cross and that prayer for forgiveness even extends thousands of years from the cross. It's an interesting note about Jesus when you think about that. Here he was in the greatest pain of his life and in the pain of the moment, he did not forget the purpose of his life. The purpose of his life was not lost in the agony of the moment. The purpose of his coming was not lost in the moment of his pain and his um, persecution. His purpose for coming, his purpose for being born, his purpose for living in his life was to bring redemption to humanity. And here was humanity killing him, and yet he did not forget the purpose. For which he came and the purpose for which he was on the cross. And the cry of his heart from the cross lived up to the purpose for which he came. And he said, father forgive them. It's the heart of the Father expressed through the heart of the Son. And think about this: the one the, the one who is being killed is asking forgiveness of his killers. The slain is asking forgiveness from his slayers. The innocent is asking forgiveness of the guilty. You see, the cry of the heart the, came of the Son came from the Father. It was the cry from the cross that was the cry from heaven of those on earth. The, the, see, the whole purpose of this was so that you and I could find redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of our sins. You know, you can find multiple places in the book of Acts where they preached. And when they would preach, they would say, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You see, the problem was, though, I got to show you something. The problem was the cry from the cross had to carry with it a corresponding action. You see, the cry alone would not bring forgiveness to you and I. The cry of Jesus would not just bring forgiveness. The Petition of Jesus would not bring it alone. The mere fact that Jesus was asking and requesting of the Father forgiveness for them would not bring it to them. That alone could not do it. You see, because it was the Father who had established what the atonement for sin would be all through scripture. That the Father has established a scriptural precedent that the death of the, the, death of the innocent for the guilty. That the blood of the innocent would be applied to the mercy seat on behalf of the guilty. Only then could an atonement for sin be made. You see, in the Old Testament, we see it over and over and over again. On the great day of atonement. The high priest would kill the lamb. They would take the blood, take it into the holy place, apply it to the mercy seat. And when it was applied to that mercy seat, the Shekinah glory would come down, meet with the, the high priest. And the sins of the people were atoned for for another year. You see, it could not be just by prayer request. It could not be just by the father, uh, the son asking the father. But there had to be a corresponding action. And I believe with, with all of my heart that the Easter Passages, the Resurrection Sunday, the cross, I believe all of that is a picture and a fulfillment of what you saw in the Old Testament through the high priest. You see, here came Jesus that we know is our high priest, our great high priest, who brought himself, who was the Lamb of God, the pure, spotless Lamb of God, brought him to the altar of Calvary, that cross, where that Lamb was slain. But then the high priest took the blood and he took it into that most holy place. The most holy place in the tabernacle was a room that was pitch black. Where the the Ark of the Covenant was and the mercy seat was. And the blood would be applied there and the Shekinah glory would come down. You see, I believe with all of my heart that this picture that we see is our high priest taking the lamb to the cross and then him taking the blood into that most holy place. You see, the Bible tells me an interesting verse in Hebrews that says the high priest entered the inner room and that only once a year, never without blood, which he offered for himself. And listen to this verse. And for the sins that people had committed in ignorance. Sound familiar? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. How many of you know today that there are times in, your, in our lives that we know we have sinned, but there are also times that we didn't know we were guilty. How many of you know we all are guilty before God? And yet Jesus was the one who took the blood into the holy place. Now watch this. Jesus is that great high priest who takes the last offering for sin into the holy place. He was the lamb without spot, without blemish. He was the one who offered his blood in the holy place. Now watch this. Verse 22 of chapter 9 says this. In the same way, he sprinkled the blood, both the tabernacle and everything used in his ceremonies. In fact, the law requires... That everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. You you see, the cry went from the cross. Father, forgive them. But had Jesus not died and had his blood not been taken to the holy place, how many know it would have been just a cry that would have been unfulfilled? It would have been a cry. It would have been a prayer that had gone unanswered. Without the blood of Jesus, the cry from the cross would have been unanswered. The shed blood of Jesus was the currency that bought the forgiveness for the offenders. He prayed a prayer and then he aligned his actions with his prayer. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And here's my blood in order to secure what I pray. Here's the blood of the Lamb to secure what I'm praying. Forgive them. Here's the blood of the innocent for the guilty. Father, forgive them. Here's the blood shed for them so they can receive forgiveness I gotta tell you so now Jesus the high priest he takes that blood into the most holy place just like the high priest did in the Old Testament and the Bible says that the people gathered in solemn assembly and that they were waiting for to see if the high priest was gonna come back out Was, was God going to approve of the high priest was he going to approve and accept the offering of the high priest And if the priest came back out, here's what the people knew. Our sins are atoned for for another year. Let me tell you what, it went from a solemn assembly to a worshiping assembly, I can promise you that. Now watch this. So now I want you to see this. So now there's the cry of the cross, which says, Father, forgive them. But then there's the cry of the resurrection. You see, when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was God saying, I approve of this priest. I approve of this high priest. And then when he came out of that, Grave. It was God saying, I have accepted the sacrifice. But then, when Jesus, the high priest, came out of the tomb, God was saying, I have forgiven. Listen, yeah, I want you to understand what was happening. Without the resurrection, how many know God wasn't accepting Jesus? He wasn't accepting the sacrifice. But the resurrection was proof that I've accepted the priest, I've accepted the offering, and now there is forgiveness for people for sin. I don't know about you, church, but I like the fact that I got forgiveness of sin. Think about it. The cry from the cross was, Father, forgive them. The cry of the resurrection was, I have forgiven them. The resurrection was God saying, I have forgiven. You, my son, have purchased the forgiveness of people. You, my son, have interceded by your life and your death, and now I have forgiven. I have forgiven them. Who's them? I have forgiven I have forgiven those religious leaders who condemned you. I have forgiven those soldiers who whipped beasts and pierced your side. I have forgiven those deserting disciples. I have forgiven the denying Peter. I have forgiven. Can you imagine being Peter and Jesus never being resurrected? The life he would have lived from that moment on. A a life of defeat, a life of despair, a life of hopelessness. And and I have forgiven the sins of the world. You see, the sacrifice for sin was a one-time deal. The high priest paid, brought the lamb, paid for sin of the offenders on the cross. But see, I want you to, some of you are saying, but, 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 but. How can they be forgiven? You see, you gotta understand something. Jesus isn't going back to the cross again. He's not gonna die again. How many know that redemption and forgiveness of sin has been accomplished already at the cross and at the resurrection? And then when you and I give our hearts to God, it's you and I stepping into what has already been provided. You've already been given your forgiveness. By faith, you step into it. By faith, you receive it. By faith, you appropriate it. By faith, you step into it. You're not getting him to do it again. It's a one-time deal. God has already chosen to forgive the world of sin. But you and I come to that place where the Bible says what? That we've got to do a number of things. You see, the cross was... Father, forgive them. The cry of the resurrection was, I have forgiven. But the cry of the saints today, the cry of the redeemed, is I am forgiven. Listen, (laughs) there is no greater thing you can say today than to say, I am forgiven of my sin because of what Jesus did for me. How's that happen? The Bible says that when I repent and that when I Confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead that I shall be saved. And I'm stepping into that forgiveness which Jesus provided. The cry from the cross was Father forgive them. The cry of the resurrection was God saying I have chosen to forgive them. And the cry of the redeemed is I'm forgiven. The cry of the sons of God, I'm forgiven. The cry of the saints is I'm forgiven. The cry of the sinner is I'm forgiven. That sacrificial act of Jesus to purchase your redemption is already done. He's not doing it again, and you can't do anything, anything to secure it, other than believe with in your heart, confess with your mouth. That's an already done thing. The question is: are you ready to walk in it? Are you walking in it? Have you lived it? Are you accepting of it? Have you repented and changed your mind about God? Did you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord? Did you believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead? That cry is, I am forgiven. But I thought about this this week. Here's what happens. When I become the redeemed of the Lord and I know I am forgiven, there is something that comes with it. That when I am forgiven, there's also another cry that goes from my heart. That's this. I am freed from everything. I am in freedom. Not only am I forgiven, but I am also set free. How many of you are set free this morning? You see, I am free from my sins. I am free from trying to pay for my sin. I am free from the punishment of my sin. I am free not to sin anymore. You see, the forgiveness of God and the freedom of God, they go hand in hand. If you are forgiven, you are free. You see, because the, act, the part of the act of forgiveness is literally setting someone free from something. When you choose to forgive somebody who's offended you, you're literally setting them free from a prison. Jesus, God the Father, brought us forgiveness, but with that forgiveness came freedom. They go hand in hand. If you're forgiven, you're free as well. And the Bible tells us what? He who the Son set free is what? Free indeed. Now, they go hand in hand. I want you to think about this. And then all of a sudden, there is this cry of freedom that goes from our life. I could go around car to car today and I could start pointing at people that I know what God has done in your life and what he has freed you from. That for some, he has set you free from addiction and bondage for some, has been free from some other kind of sin. Some of you have been set free from a life of religious exercise. Some of you have been set free from a life of religious legalism that just kept you run, bouncing around and jumping through the hoops and you're yo 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 on a string. One day you're saved and one day you're not. One day you're up, one day you're down, one day you're in, one day you're out. But now, because of Jesus, you're set free from that and you walk confidently into the presence of God. And you're free from, the Bible says, you're free from the accusations of the adversary. This is what Colossians, Paul said to Colossians, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. There is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because how many know you have been set free? The cry of freedom goes along with the cry of forgiveness. We are free from the fear of death. I mean, we don't fear death today. We don't want, not, I don't think there's too many wanting to go today. Beep your horn if you want to go today. All right, good job. We were going we to pick you out. But we're free from that. The Bible says we don't even mourn death like the unbelievers do. We mourn death with hope. You see... What comes with my forgiveness is freedom. I'm forgiven of the past, and I am forgiven in the present. And I'm going to be forgiven in the future as a son. I'm free from the penalty of sin. I'm free from the past mistakes. Come on. Let me tell you something, church. Stop living those past mistakes. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Quit living them over and over and over. Quit allowing the devil to say, hey, remember that, remember that, remember that. Some of you are remembering stuff 30 years ago. Let it go. Jesus covered it on the cross free from the accusation of the accuser, free from those around you who bring accusation, free from anxiety, free from fear, free from hopelessness. You're forgiven, but with that forgiveness comes freedom. I put a little thing out on Facebook yesterday, asking people to give me some four-word testimonies. Let me read you some of those. Um, one person put, forgiven my past mistakes, free from disappointment. Come on, how many know that without Jesus and not his resurrection, we can live a life of disappointment? He gives us hope. Christy Johnson says, He welcomed me with open arms and he loved me unconditionally. Come on, the blood of Jesus on the cross was unconditional. Don't make it conditional. One says saved by grace and freed from destruction. Another said, another said I've been reading Steve Becker, he's probably watching right now. He said he has been renewed, set free, and blessed. And another says, freed from shame. Tabby said that. Gilbert says, free from drugs, free from anger, free from destroying other people. I mean, know he's a new creation of Christ Jesus. And I can go on and on and on. Another one says, forgive me of my sins and freed me from my mistakes. Another, my my friend, Don Scrooge, delivered from addictions. Zach Rakaban, he miraculously healed me. Pastor Stan, who was with us in December, says he never stopped loving me. Jeremy Knapp said God gave him a second chance. Jeannie Becker said, forgave me of my stubborn self-righteousness. None of us ever had that. And freed me from my own chains. Patty Bracken texted me and said, "He he saved me from myself." Amen to that. Right? I can go on and on. Another one says, "Replace desperation with peace." But see, here's what I know, and I'm about done. Honk your horn if you're happy. Hey, hey, hey! There was somebody really on that. We are now going to read Psalm 119. I'm going to punish you all for that. I read this, and I read this, and I read this. I said, man, Father, your son cried for forgiveness from the cross. When you raised him from the dead, you were saying, I have forgiven because I've accepted you, and I've accepted your sacrifice. And what that brought us was forgiveness. But ladies and gentlemen, it brought you more than just forgiveness. Thank God we're forgiven of our sins. But he expects you to live a life of freedom. a freedom from the past and freedom. He expects you to live in a state of freedom that comes as a result of forgiveness. And I begin to think about that. There's an interesting portion of scripture in Ephesians chapter 4. And i to ask Tabby and Seth to come as I read this scripture. Paul said that Jesus ascended on high. And he took many captives. And gave gifts to his people. And that's where Paul says, what does ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lowly, lower earthly regions. And he who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens. In order to fill the whole universe. So then he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers to equip the people. I want you to see something. I want you to see the picture of Jesus on the cross. Sacrificed. And then going into the lower regions of the earth. And the Bible says that he descended, but then he ascended, which he ascended from there, and he ascended to God's throne. But the Bible says he led captivity captive. How many know that when he led them out, he led them out into freedom, not to bondage anymore? He led captivity captive. Those who were once slaves of the enemy. Those who were slaves to death. Those who were slaves to sin. Those who were slaves, the Bible tells me that he led them out. He led them from captivity. The Bible says that he led us. And now today, we're no longer slaves to sin. We're slaves to righteousness. You see, there's this transaction that took place. That forgiveness and freedom. Forgiveness and freedom were a combination of the cross and the tomb. Because of what our high priest, because of what our king did. How many know it's just, he's our high priest, but how many know the Bible also says he's our king? He's our king. Imagine the transformation train that followed Jesus out of captivity. Imagine the second coming when he comes with all of his saints. You saw these cars coming through here. And I could take you through many of them. And I can tell you how Jeff Hamilton holds up a sign that says he was physically and spiritually healed. That when he had a heart condition, physical heart condition that got supernaturally touched, changed his life physically and spiritually. I'll tell you about my friend Frankie Campbell, been up, down, in, out, all around, in jail, out of jail, in addiction, out of addiction, but the grace of God has kept him alive. <coughs> And then my my dear friend Mindy and Marcus are here. Ten years ago today, where's she at? I know you're back there somewhere. Stick your head out that, baby. She's waving. Look right there. You can see her. Ten years ago today, she turned herself in to the law and had to go through her punishment. And today, the marriage is restored. Her heart is restored. God is giving them favor. God is giving them grace. A testimony of grace. I can tell you, I go on and on. You got Jamie and Dawn going through here. It says, blessed over broken. You lose a child. You lose a child. And triumph over tragedy. And they have a, I said, what you you on the sign? They said, blessed over broken. Come on. Blessed over broken because of what Jesus Christ did. the resurrection forgiven and freed forgiven and freed I could take many of you I could have taken all of you and given you a sign today we would have been here for three hours been longer than one of my sermons but I want you to think about what you heard and what you saw what you heard was a message of what Jesus Christ did for you That he, the guilty, he, the innocent shed his blood so that you could be redeemed, so you could be set free, so you could be forgiven. He provided for you what you could not provide on your own. There's a tragic story that happens on Good Friday. Early in the morning, he's condemned to die at three o'clock. He dies on that cross. But somewhere in those early morning hours, the Gospel of Matthew tells us that Judas, the betrayer, went out and hung himself. Went out and hung himself. You imagine a man that betrayed him, went back and threw the money at the Pharisees' feet. Did not know what to do with his sin. Did not know what to do with his guilt. Did not know what to do with his failure and his shame. The only thing he could come up with was Let me atone for it myself. Let me pay for it myself. Let me hang myself. Let me kill myself to atone for what I've done. The problem is his blood could never do that. Only pure blood could do that. Only the pure, spotless lamb of God. I don't know how many hours it might have been. Maybe it was seven, eight, six. I don't know. But had he only waited six or seven or eight hours, Jesus' blood on Calvary even applied to Judas. And why do I say that? Because I believe you went out and tried to pay for it himself. Many of you sometimes have found yourself trying to pay for your sin. If I just do enough good works, if I just do enough good things, you're not really going out killing yourself, but you're trying to atone for it. You're trying to make your own payment. You're trying to pay for it. You can't. It's done. Rest in it. Accept what Jesus did. Accept what Jesus did. Rest from your striving. Rest from it. And you'll walk in forgiveness and you'll walk in freedom. You see, not only can you not pay for your sin, but your attempt to pay for it leads you into bondage and not freedom. But when you step into the forgiveness of what Jesus did on Calvary, not only do you step into forgiveness, you step into freedom. And so today I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you on Resurrection Sunday that you would do Three things, repent, which means just change your mind, change your direction, that you would confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you would believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you step out of guilt into forgiveness, and out of bondage into freedom. Father, today, you are our king. You are our king. Amazing love. You're thinking about this, amazing love. How can it be that my king would die for me? Amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? Mm. It's my joy to honor you. The verse says, the chorus says, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned. I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Father, all across this parking lot, I pray that every person that hears this message this morning whether it's in the parking lot on live stream right now or on a rebroadcast later, would come to a place where they say, I get it, I get it. I want what Jesus brought on the cross. I want forgiveness and I want freedom. Therefore, I confess that Jesus is Lord. I believe he rose him from the dead. Lord, let us live in the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, who will never lead us back to bondage. That we can walk out of there today saying, he who the Son set free is free indeed. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, man, God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great week. We love you. Thanks for being with us today. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right.